This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Mole from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. All right, well, far away. Oh, far away. We've got the fir- the theme of the day, which is first home buyers and how to get into your first home, if that's even possible these days. Um, if you're honest, well, it has to be possible because I was quite surprised when you look at the statistics of who's buying properties. There's a significant number of them are first home buyers. Yeah, which is great because the kind of perception is that it's just speculators or investors buying. And of course, before, when we were beating up all the overseas buyers, uh, we were beating them up. You know, these are people from other countries of the world speculating on the New Zealand property market. Um, they can't do that anymore, apparently. So that, you know, the only people buying property are first home buyers or people upgrading or downgrading because, yeah. you know, there's people who will be selling a property in this market and moving to a retirement village. So they're not buying a property, they're buying an occupation license, a right to occupy a lot the property. Um, and then there'll be the investors, and there'll be the odd speculator as well. Um, that's what makes the market. It's where the pricing comes from. And it's all about supply and demand. At the moment, there's a huge demand and a very small supply. Um, there is that sort of euphoria that property's the thing to be in because every seven years it doubles in value, uh, a very useful statistic which would tell you that on that basis it must go up 10% every year, year mm. on year. Um, if you fall into that trap, you're probably going to go belly up because property prices don't go up 10% every year. They go through a cycle and the upward trend is always there because you'd expect that property would be a slightly ahead of inflation. If inflation's positive, if inflation's 3%, for example, you expect that property values would increase beyond 3% because all the replacement costs for building that property will be more expensive. Mm. Um, They always say about land that it can only go up in value because they're not making any more of it. But actually, there's a lot of land available in New Zealand. And the other way you can actually make land is in respect of airspace, instead of going out and go up. So that is a way of creating, if you like, um, land in the hypothetical sense. But I was amazed and, and pleasantly surprised to see how many first-home buyers there are out there. And... To me, that's the cornerstone of our society, that people have an opportunity to invest in that society by having their own piece of dirt or piece of space. 
Because that gives you a sense of security. It gives you a roof over your head. It allows you to say, well, at the end of the day, whether I live in a small place or a bigger place where I'm in an apartment or or a you know, residential sort of quarter-acre section or more, um, I've got my piece of dirt, which means that I'm able to live in that space and do the things that I want to do relative to the resources that I've got. When you have a situation where everyone is renting, there is no sense of ownership. There is no sense of being able to improve. My generation have been uh, a group of people who have bought properties and improved those properties. Um, Where I'm living at the moment, I've done improvements over time. Uh, Took me 17 years to improve the long driveway, but yeah, <laughs> but, it just, but I got there in the end. <laughs> it looks good. It, it, it kept away people I didn't want to come and visit me because it looked like a dirt track. Perfect. Because it was a dirt track. Yeah, uh, really. Um, it yeah, it's just enough. a um, tar sealed track, so it's not quite as uninviting. Yeah. But so first own, you know, owning your own home, I think should be an aspiration of every New Zealander, and it's actually within the or was within the grasp of every New Zealander who was prepared to be disciplined, to spend less than what they earn, to save money, and then go out and buy what they could afford at the time, and gradually over time improve that property. Uh, You might sell that property to get a slightly better property and, and so forth. It was like climbing a ladder. The concern I think the number of punters out there have is that it's just now no longer affordable. The price of the first home is uh, at a level that people feel they'll never get there, and I think that's a shame. And that's why, again, we need uh, to increase the supply, provide different types of property to meet people's needs at a time. So... When I bought my first home, it was a quarter-acre section um, out Beachhaven Way, so it was fairly isolated in the day. It was a pretty average sort of property. Um, it had a lawn that took me hours and hours to, to mow. Um, I wouldn't be recommending to my children to go and buy that sort of property um, because I had to spend too much time trying to just maintain it. I would recommend my children buy a, a, an apartment or a townhouse um, in an area that they can afford to live as a first home as they move up the property ladder. When you're young, you don't want to be spending all your time maintaining the property, doing the lawns, painting the house. You should be out there enjoying yourself. But by buying a property, you build up some equity as the property value goes up, hopefully, as you reduce the debt by repaying the loan, that you can then use that equity to buy a better property that meets your needs at the time. So that's good once you get into it, but how do you get into it, Greg, with all these, these hurdles? And what, what's some advice that you can give to young people that see this big $1 million number and they're like, well, that's going to be challenging? Well, I think I, I do empathise with them to say that that number is quite a whopping number. You know, I see with a home start arrangement, um, you have to buy a property less than 650000 in Auckland, um, 500000 in, in 
cities like Tauranga and Hamilton uh, and 400,000 elsewhere. Well, you know, good luck trying to find a decent property in Auckland for 650,000. Oh, yeah. Uh, that isn't actually already condemned. Um, so that means that you probably would need to look at an apartment or a townhouse, which is not a bad thing as your first home, as your start off, if you like. But it's still pretty hard to find those sort of properties in Auckland. How are you going to get into it? Well, the vehicles that are available today are better than they were back in my day. Uh, the most sensible vehicle is KiwiSaver. You know, for my children, younger children, who are just about turning 13 and 16, I had them in KiwiSaver from the day KiwiSaver became available. They got the $1,000 kickstart. I've been putting money in every month, so they have a, a, a balance that's big, building over time. Now, they're not old enough to contribute to it because they're not in paid employment. But my daughter when she turns 18, uh, would be able to contribute into it, and so would her employer. So that means that she would, over time, build up a fund that could assist her to get into her first home. Um, That was never available back when I was looking to save. You just had to save in a traditional savings bank and hope that the bank would actually lend you the money to buy the property. It didn't work for me. I had to go and find a dodgy lawyer to lend me the money uh, because the banks just decided not to. So it was a bit difficult and challenging in those days. It's not challenging now. If you meet the bank's criteria, which are generally pretty reasonable um, in respect of the amount of deposit you will need, what sort of income that you have to have, because the banks are keen to ensure that they only lend money to people who can afford to service the debt and repay the loan. It would be irresponsible to do anything else. You know, for them to lend money to someone who hasn't got an income would be just ridiculous because they'd end up having to foreclose, do a mortgagee sale on that property and put the person on the street. Yeah, That's why the banks are reluctant to lend to people who are no longer in paid employment, who are if you like, retired and living on New Zealand super because the banks quite correctly would surmise that you haven't got enough money to maintain the rates, the insurance, you know, do the maintenance around the property. And if you fail to make the payments, both interest and principal, they'll have to be forced to do a mortgage sale. It's bad karma for the banks, bad publicity. They don't want to do that. So they'll be always looking to see if you've got the means to be able to service and repay the loan, which is why in this day and age it probably needs to. Whether you do it with a a group of friends, a a buddy or your partner, you then have the benefits of two incomes servicing that debt. But at least you know you can actually borrow money to buy the property. It's just that you're going to have to borrow a lot of money. Yeah, uh, it's useful. I was just thinking as well, there's a live stream going, but there's some words, but I don't know what they say. I don't know if Jordan can read it for us. Is there a question there, Jordan? I don't know if it's a question. It's It's short. It's a comment. comment? Great shirt combo. Oh, thank you. Thank you you very much. Look, we're in Auckland, (laughs) and the weather today is very warm, and it's the never-ending summer. 
So you've just got to embrace it, though. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have that that colourful. Do you do you find as you get older you wear more colourful and less dreary, like um, dark colours? I noticed no, that with clients, I would see them they're more colourful, vibrant. Yeah, I think us older people want to you know remember our youth and, <laughs> and, and, and try and be colourful. But what what's interesting? It's actually um, I think uh, one of the byproducts of this COVID period that we're going into and have been in, which is quite unprecedented. Yeah. You know, for 30 years of my professional life, if I was doing this now, I would be in a collar and tie. Yeah. You know, with a jacket, because that was the uniform. When I started as a financial planner and I'd come out of the Justice Department, I got told to lose the public service moustache, which I'd had as a policeman, and lose the public service um, cardigan. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, it was outrageous. So yeah. to sort of buy a business shirt, buy a suit to look professional because no one would trust someone unless they looked professional. <laughs> oh. And uh, how times have changed. And through sort of the lockdowns of last year, I just said, well, you know, I might as well be comfortable. Yeah. So I'd rather wear shorts uh, and, and, a, and a short sleeve shirt. Or Will you ever go to flip-flops? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that'd, that'd have to be very dressed down Friday, I suppose. Yeah, it's about, and you know, I th- think the reason that I had the professional garb was it was told to us that was the expectation of the people we were talking. If you didn't look like a professional, clearly you weren't a professional. Yeah, I think people have kind of grown up a little bit at the these days and people are a lot more relaxed. You often go to legal and accounting firms where they're a lot more casual and why not? Yeah. I mean, it, you don't look like a hobo. <laughs> you know, you can be in, you know, smart, casual and, and pleasant. And the flip-flops could be quite expensive flip-flops. Oh, yeah. Know? The ones that don't break under pressure. Yeah, no, the quality Do you ever ones. get the um, bread? Uh, that's the hack I learned while I was backpacking. You know the thing you put on the bread to keep it um, keep it sound. Yeah. You take that off when you lose the plug from your own um, thing. I didn't thing. know that. Put it underneath, who's, wrap it around. Who says you don't learn something new every oh, day? Oh, there you go. Thank and you it all started much. from the question, and I can't reason Thank you use it. Thank you for that question. I don't know the username. The, um, but getting back to first, <laughs> I was a, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, you know the at the end of the day, it's always been difficult for someone to get on the first rung of the property ladder. Yeah. Uh, I think these days young people are probably going to need a bit of a hand up from the family. And I don't know what happens where the family can't do that. It gets very difficult. And that's where I think there is a, a, a role for government to play to help those young people who don't have the family support, who ha- don't have the income... Uh, to be able to get into their first home. Now, we used to have the old uh, state advances loans. I'd never qualify one for yeah. one in the day, but other people did. What are they? Uh, th- that's where the government would lend you money at a very low interest rate to yeah. get you into your first home. Those are um, you know, We always had the housing corporation that would provide affordable housing. So what's wrong with the housing corporation providing affordable housing to young couples to get into their first home 
And while they're paying rent, that rent is actually reducing um, the, a debt, if you like, a, a notional debt and increasing equity. So eventually they buy that home. I like that system. Uh, I don't like a system which puts people into um, housing court properties, um, doesn't encourage them to build up equity in that property, and leaves an older person or couple in a three, four, five-bedroom home when the kids are all left. That's nuts. Yeah. If they then put that said to that person, you know, you now move into a smaller property, the sort of property that my grandmother's had, the pension housing they were in, which was really a one-bedroom type property, that makes more sense. But we don't do that anymore because that's being unkind. Yeah. You know, so we now have this sort of conundrum that there's a shorter of a housing stock. You know, I saw the figures. Was it like $85 million mm. funding uh, hotel accommodation for homeless people over the last quarter. Jeez, I want that's, that. That's Did just kind of outrageous. I doubt you get bread and breakfast. You probably have to go out and whip some fruit over the, out of the local neighbouring trees. I don't know. You know. You're probably getting food parcels. I don't know how it works. But there is something fundamentally flawed where we're having to put uh, couples or young families into motel accommodation. Yeah. You know, this government, successive governments, have really dropped the ball. We should be building affordable housing, getting people into that, giving them the opportunity to, to build up some equity and have some home ownership to get them on that first step of the ladder. Yeah. And if they do well um, and that they're good savers or they, they, their income increases or you know, you know through education and opportunity, they're able then to move out of that property into a, a better property. That's great. Mm. You know, we want people, I think, to move up the the housing level. But it's getting started in the first place. Um, it, just as an aside, you know, it's interesting that you've got to, uh, and I've seen this happen, that people go up the housing level, you know, get up there and, now they're sitting in a $2 million, well, that's just an average place in Auckland, maybe more than $2 million property as they come up to retirement, but they've got no retirement savings. Yeah, and stuck present. Yeah, then they're in big trouble because you know they can't fund and maintain that property. The smart thing for them to do would be to sell, downgrade, free up some money, sensibly invest it, and have that money working for them. So then they'd have a combination of New Zealand super and the money from their retirement savings plan to fund their lifestyle. Makes sense. I just waved while you're talking because someone said hello. Yeah. So hello. 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 Carry on. You're well, on roll. You, you wouldn't, as an example of that, you wouldn't want to be my neighbour, um, an elderly living lady living in a multi-million dollar property that was falling a, a, a down around her. She wouldn't, had no money to maintain it, uh, probably wouldn't have spent it if she had anyway uh, because she just felt like she didn't deserve much and therefore didn't have much. And uh, I really found that incredibly sad because, you know, she died leaving that property and that was promptly sold um, by a nephew and his wife so that they could sort of, you know, fund the lifestyle that they wanted. 
Mm. And she never had one. You know, there's an old saying, you shouldn't fly um, economy class so that your kids can fly business or first class. She didn't even fly at all. Mm. And I thought it was incredibly ridiculous. You know, just, you know, she was asset rich and cash poor, very poor. So it's about getting that balance. So as you go up that housing level, you should think there's a point at which I can be financially independent, have the home that I'm happy in, but be able to support a lifestyle that I'd happily enjoy. But that's for another day. Today it's how do you get started. How do you get started as you spend less than what you earn? You save. Kiwi Saver will give you uh, an opportunity to save quite quickly if you're in paid employment, but you put in your percent, 3%, your employer puts in their 3%, the government gives you the the tax credit, the uh, $521 $21 a year tax paid. Uh, You let that accumulate. If you qualify, you can get a home start, 5000 for an individual, up to 10000 for a couple. Yeah. But the, the, the problem with that home start is that you've got to qualify for an income level. I think it's $80,000 yeah, for, right. for an individual, 130 for a couple. So actually, if you're earning that amount, you should be able to save a reasonable amount. The home start shouldn't be such a big deal. But the other problem with the home start is the qualifying figure, 650000 in Auckland. Yeah. 400000 out of Auckland in the, in the, in the Wop Wops, uh, 500000 if you're in a place like Hamilton or Tauranga. I just don't see how you can buy a property, a family home for 650000 yeah, in tough. Auckland. You can probably buy an apartment, and that maybe is the first step up the property ladder. Makes sense. There's someone on the podcast, uh, on the live, is just asking what we're doing. It's just recording a podcast. NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. We've got to, we've got to merge the two worlds. It's like okay. people are coming in on uh, on TikTok live, and you've got to interact with them, but also don't um, talk about content that's not good for the people that are listening. Okay. But let's say, let's say, in give a, me a question then. All right, if you're a dick, this is a tough question. If you're, let's say, there was a dictator arrangement here in New Zealand. Haven't we got one? <laughs> no comment. No comment. Yeah, no. So live is recorded no, as well. But what what would you change? Benevolent dictator. If you're a benevolent dictator here in New Zealand and you could just make a sweeping change across all of, whether it's housing, whether it's finance, whether it's education, what would you change in the government? Well, it's an interesting one. The, um, you know, there's people talk about the, you know, the base, there's a, a basic living. Universal wage. basic income? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? I, I, when that was first put to me, I thought, well, this is just nonsense. But actually, when I come to think about what it could mean, it has a level of a, you know, it's actually quite attractive in a way because it would mean that every person of a certain age would have a, you know, a, 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 an income that allowed them to maintain a decent standard of living. And that means that we shouldn't have people living on the street. We shouldn't have homeless people. But you had that universal income. And that universal income uh, you could build on. So if you wanted a, a, a bigger house, a bigger car, you know, to travel, to do things, better clothes, you work to achieve those things. I quite like that. 
people would say, well, where will it all come from? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it will be taxed to death. Well, I think, you know, I'm a fan, actually, for uh, an expenditure tax so that you have, like, GST 15% or even if it was, um, well, I don't think it should go beyond 15 I think 20 is too much, so that every time you spent a dollar, 15 cents went back into the system and it just becomes a money go round because then what you're doing is that you're getting people effectively through their spending paying for the services that the state might provide. Yeah. Um, it would mean that if we no longer had to have all these people running around um, ensuring that you know the homeless get looked after, the um, the people who were living below uh, a certain income threshold would be looked after, the food banks, all these things. Yeah, you know, we must spend millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe billions, um, supporting people who really do need that support. Um, but maybe we can do it in a different way and, and empower them to look after themselves so that the people doing all the support can go into more productive areas because that's the key to this. And as a country, if we were more productive, if we were producing goods and services that the rest of the world and ourselves wanted to buy, the money would be there to actually provide that universal income. All right, universal basic income. And so that's an interesting thing. The other side of it is, you know, I believe in you know, social housing for those that need it. So making housing available. I would like to see people own their own property rather than being uh, forced to rent the property because they just can't sort of get on that first ladder. Because I think when people own something, they are not only empowered but it gives them a, you know, a level of self-esteem that, you know, I own this place. And I can remember when I bought my first home, I was really proud that yeah. this was my first home. Yes, I had a mortgage, and yes, I had to have several jobs to service it, uh, but interest rates were so high back then, even though the loan wasn't. But incomes were down as well. So it's all relative. But it just gave you a sense of being able to, you know, improve your situation over time. Uh, I've had people tell me that I'm lucky, and I say, you know, I'm lucky, but the harder I work, the luckier I get. If I just sat back and didn't do anything and expected people to give me a handout, like the guy sitting down on Queen Street with a, uh, you know, a little cup in front of him, uh, making us feel sorry so we put money in there. Well, I know one of those blokes because I see him walking down Dominion Road from time to time, walking from some accommodation into town to sit outside a bank with a little jar expecting someone to you know, give him money. That's yeah. his job. Yeah. Not a very productive job. Could be a good salesman, though. Oh, he's probably making more than a lot of people putting the money in the in the, in the the container. Well, I did. Um, I sat on a bus ride with this guy that had a dog. And um, I was talking to him, and he's, the most he's made was about 200 in a night. Yeah. But well, he was a special niche. You know, his marketing was better because he had a dog, yeah. and then he was milking that. Yeah, it's well, an art. It's selling. I think that it is selling, but I think it's a bit sad that someone thinks that that's the way they should operate. 
there's got to be more meaningful things that person can do than sitting there with his dog. Charity. You know, with could a be, plate. You could know, be one of those me. charitable marketers. Because yeah. you get rejected, it's tough. That's yeah. the hardest thing about being in that scenario is that um, people are rejecting you. You don't feel a part of society and you reinforce a bad behavior because all you see is the worst of, best yeah. and worst of humanity. I, I can see where you're coming from. And from that point of view, I admire their stickability because yeah. I couldn't do that. They won't step up from the people that aren't begging. Yeah, but yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly. But it's about self-esteem and self-respect. And, and I think that people get that from doing something and being financially rewarded for doing it. You know, giving your children pocket money without expecting them to do something in return is a mistake mm. because what you're doing is reinforcing bad behavior, uh, negative behavior, if you like. If you say, well, look, you wash my car and I'll give you $5 or $10, then that that child says, I wash the car, get the $5 or the $10. What about people at traffic lights then? Yeah, well, I really hate that. <laughs> but they're, they're uh, doing it $5 washing your car. <laughs> oh, no, they're not washing your time. They're probably bending my window wipers. Uh, um, I mean, that's almost demanding money with menaces in a way and, and making people feel guilty. Uh, and, you know, you see that increasing what's happening now in Auckland I don't know where else uh, and there was only one person doing it outside St Luke's a woman walking up and down the um, the, the area between the, the, the lanes yeah. with a sign and she was you know, doing it all day long and she obviously collected enough money to make it worthwhile the message has gone out on multiple intersections around Auckland now you're seeing people walking up and down the line of cards with a with a, a bit of cardboard yeah. with some words. It's almost demanding money with menaces. It's 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 a guilt trip. They just need um, an F-Boss yeah. machine. And unfortunately, every time you pay that person something, even though I know you feel you want to, you're actually reinforcing bad behaviour. Yeah, that, so what I do in the scenario is that, like, because there's certain points where things are tough for me and if someone gave me money, then it would have fueled that narrative. So I try to still acknowledge them as people when they acknowledge me. What would you do? Okay, hypothetical scenario. Greg's lost his business. You can't find a job anywhere, and you've got to be on the street, and you've got to make some money. What's your creative way to do it? Well, I think what you do is you look for opportunities where you can help people and maybe get paid for it. And sometimes what you do is you take a job on um, and say, look, I'm, I, you know, I need a job. I'm prepared to work for nothing. Give me an opportunity if I'm doing well pay me what you feel I'm worth. That might be a starting point. Um, the other one is to go, go bush. I'm, I could follow You'd go bush? Yeah, all that military training. After yeah. that, I just go bush. Who knows? Or live in the bushes. I've seen people do that. The, it's just, you, you never know. I agree. You, you, you might find yourself in that position, um, in which case you do need help. But isn't that why we have a social welfare system? I don't have a problem paying taxes to go into a system to look after people less fortunate than myself. Because I could be in that situation. You know, and that could be through depression, alcohol, um, other mental illness. It could be through an accident. It could be lots of things. So I want to live in a society where we help those less fortunate. But I don't think we're getting it right because I know the benefits are there. 
I know the social services are there. I know the government is trying to do social housing. Um, just behind us, we've got the City Mission does incredible work in, in helping to fund and support the homeless, and they're looking at accommodation as well now. Um, so all that's been happening. So why is the system not working? Why have we got all these homeless people? I saw in Rotorua they said 2,000 homeless people in Rotorua living in motel accommodation, over 48 motels. Something's broken. Mm. Why is it not working? And, you know, if the government are doing the same old, same old, they'll get the same old, same old results. It's it, it's broken. So maybe we do need a benevolent dictator, dictator to come in and say enough is enough. You know, we're going to assess people on a one-on-one basis to see what their needs are. And if you do need help, we will provide help. Um, but it's not continually a hand out. It's got to be a hand up. Uh-huh. You know, it may be education, maybe giving people a job start, um, you know, learn a skill. You know, it's interesting the military do it right. You know, they take all these people in, and in the old days, they don't do it now, but in the old days they'd take all these people in, um, they'd find out what their skill set was, and they'd build on that. Yeah. You know, because everyone's good at something. Now, not everyone's going to be the managing director. That's the other problem. Of course, a lot of people want to be the managing director, mm. but they're actually not even capable of being the office junior. But, you know, it, it's about sort of a, a addressing the needs of the individual. And somehow I think we've lost sight of that. We've become a society of, um, you know, having expectations that someone else will look after me that I don't have the responsibility to look after myself. And in doing that, a responsibility to help look after others as well. You talk about, I don't think I'd give money to someone um, sitting in Queen Street. I think, as I said, it reinforces bad behaviour. What I did see the other day, which I quite liked, was a young woman had obviously been to like a maybe a bakery or, or a, a cafe and had two paper bags, one for her and one she gave to a, a person sitting on the street. With a gluten allergy. <laughs> Imagine like you not. have to eat, eat it and you can't. You don't want to and the guy, I watched him, he actually, oh, thank you very much. So he was polite and he reached in and uh, whatever it was in there, he, he, he consumed. Oh, that's good. And I think that's a good way of helping. If, if someone says, I'm hungry, need food, <laughs> I would willingly buy them some food. All right, but so I, what I suspect, it's I'm hungry, need food, give me money, that it goes on alcohol or drugs, or it becomes just you know part of the daily earnings. You know? All right, well, if, anyone, so if anyone's listening here and your strategic way to accumulate income is begging on Queen Street, if you see Greg... You're not get, getting get, money, yeah, get but your you food might get a sign, sandwich. Yeah, get your food sign out and hold them accountable yeah, to that. Yeah. Yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Benevolent, that's all from the benevolent dictator, Mr. Benevolent. Moore. No, nah, but well, But, you know, we'd still, any other questions on first home? Ah, uh, I think, home I think that's a good long episode. I mean, yeah. the, the general understanding is save, contribute to KiwiSaver. You may qualify for a home start grant, and um, you could and, go on with someone else. And, yeah, maybe partner up, but buy what you can afford. And remember, your first home is not your last home.
Yeah. You know, one of the issues I think for younger people in particular is they have an expectation to live in the home that they've just left. So have the things that their parents had, you know, en suites, you know, all the electronic devices, furniture and bits and pieces, a property of that size. Think about what you can afford and then use that as a stepping stone to something else that's better that you will be able to afford and go up the property ladder. All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoys their journey up the property ladder and uh, thanks to nzaudioeditors.com for making the audio a progressive, enjoyable journey. So don't have to worry about it. The worst is you record a podcast and it didn't work. You didn't plug something in. Done that before. Uh, yep, thanks, Greg. And um, you got my vote for Benevolent Dictator, if, even though I can't say benevolent. All right, cheers, guys. Bye.